We've been looking a lot at the, the topic of biblical covenant. And even though Richie is gone, we're going to continue with this biblical covenant. Because God's Word is the final authority on all things, and this is what it tells us. It tells us, one, we are in a covenant relationship with the Lord God. Amen? We are in a covenant relationship with Him because He is a covenant God. And the basis for this covenant relationship that we are in is love. The basis of the covenant that God is in with us and us with Him is love. So what's our responsibility then? We have this God that loves us and we're in covenant with Him. And what's our responsibility? To love others. But ultimately, the first thing that has to happen is you have to decide which camp you're in because there's only two choices. You can accept it or reject it. That's it. There are two kinds of people on the planet. Those that have accepted this covenant relationship with the loving God and those that have rejected it. That's it. So this morning we're going to transition because Richie has been preaching and teaching out of God's Word about the vertical relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's vertical. Vertical. But now we have to transition to the horizontal. I think we're going to be challenged. Because in some ways, I think it's easier for us to understand vertical. But now it gets personal. Because on the horizontal, it's about relationship with each other. Let's pray for a second. Lord God, your, your Spirit, Lord, has filled this place. And God, we need to hear from You this morning. Lord, we just need to be still. And Lord, will You teach us Will you teach us, God, about relationship? The most important of which is with you. And God, relationship with one another. Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do through the power of your word, the Holy Scriptures, in this place for this time and for our benefit. In Jesus' name. Amen, sister. So if you're here today and if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you are what? A new creation. And you are filled with the Holy Spirit. That is a biblical truth. If you are a Christian, you are a new creation and filled with the Spirit. See, you have submitted to God's authority. That's not a question. You have submitted to God's authority. Because you see, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Which means He is the Lord of your life. 
Hmm. The problem is, as we've seen many times before, the throne gets taken over inappropriately by us. And we push Him off, don't we? Don't we push the Lord Jesus off of the throne because we want to be on it? Oh yeah, there it is. We want to sit on the throne. And yet we've learned that in Diathiki, it's the greater to the lesser, right? God is in control. He's in charge. And it's for our benefit. But we would have to agree that it really is His throne. He's the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. It's His throne. But why is it His throne? Because, like your life, it was bought for a price. You see, the Lord paid the price. Scripture says that your life is not your own, that God has redeemed you and me. And I always like the word redeemed because when I think about it, I think about when I was a kid and we had the stamps from the grocery store, the green stamps. Only old people, sorry, are going to know this. We had green stamps and we had blue stamps and then we had the, then we had the book. And when we got enough stamps to get what was in the book, we could redeem and we would go to the redemption center and turn in the books full of stamps. I know I got to lick them until it was too many. And then my mom taught me how to use a sponge. And God redeemed us. I mean, that's amazing. God redeemed us because we're His forever. Redeemed. Once for all, fully righteous, pleasing in His sight, Saints, St. Scotty, St. Doris, St. Brenda, we're saints, priests, heirs with Christ. We are heirs with Christ and an eternal covenant with the God of the universe. Is that crazy? So are you serious? Do we actually believe that? Because it is written. I hope we do. I hope we believe it. If you have your Bibles, I shouldn't have to say that. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Mark Chapter 8. We were talking about Bibles and electronic Bibles the other day. I love a regular Bible. That's the old-fashioned kind that has pages. Because that's like music to the ears of somebody that is, a, that is interested in God's truth. is the flipping of pages. Even if you don't know where to go, it's okay. You're flipping back and forth to try to find it. That's okay. That's okay. Mark chapter 8, verse 34, says this. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and the gospel 
will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Wow. We've learned several words from Richie's preaching over the last few weeks, and that is brief, serious. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, saying that you're either with me or against me. There's only two choices. It's serious. He's talking about bereavement. That's the cutting of covenant, which we've learned is the animals that are spread out on either side, cut in half that bloody mess that Richie's talked about. And then we walk in covenant in a figure eight. We walk together and then we cut covenant and we are in blood. We're in covenant. That's serious. We don't get that. Our culture doesn't get the seriousness of it. Death to self is what Jesus says. Take up your cross and follow me. It's serious. See, Jesus didn't take on the sin of the world in some kind of a casual, haphazard way. It didn't happen that way. He went willingly and sacrificially. Even though Jesus three times said, Father, if there's any way that you could take this cup from me, will you do it? Yet, not my will be done, Lord, but yours. What a picture. He did it willingly and sacrificially. Why? Because he loves us more than any of us will ever on this side of heaven have the opportunity to even remotely understand or comprehend. We cannot comprehend the love that God has for us. That's brief. Do you believe it? That's a question. Do you believe it? Yeah. So then do you receive it? Because if you believe it, that's great. The question is, do you just receive it? Yes, Lord, yes, I receive it. I receive your love. I receive it. Thanks be to God that we have the word diatheke. My new favorite, by the way. Diatheke. I just like saying it. (laughs) And then, of course, when you find out what it really means is greater to lesser. This is the Lord's throne. It doesn't belong to us. He sets the terms and the conditions we accept or reject. That's good because I don't know about you. But it took me 39 years to come to Christ, and my life was a mess for the first 39. And I'm a work in progress for the rest of it. You see, it's for our benefit, this diatheke. He sets the terms. Praise God that He sets the terms and I don't. Yeah, so if we love Him, then we'll do what He commands, John 14:15. You don't have to turn there. It's in your notes. I hope you look up the Scripture references, perhaps after church or maybe before you go to bed tonight. It 
It is His terms, not ours. So is my wife, who's home in a wheelchair right now, <laughs> because she tore her meniscus as she fell off of my Jeep that she was washing for me. <laughs> She's fine. She is. She's fine. But as she... Oh, she lovingly points out to me on all too regular a basis, frankly. She says, get over your bad self. Just get over your bad self. And you know, theologically, that's pretty right on. We need to get over ourselves, don't we? Because it's ourself that gets in the way of this diatheke relationship that we have in covenant with the Lord God. I had no idea my wife was a theologian. The Bible uses the word covenant over 300 times. Why is this the eighth week that we've been teaching on covenant at this local body of believers? I think it's important. God talks covenant over 300 times from Genesis to Revelation. You see, it's very personal. It becomes a heart issue, doesn't it? It's a heart issue. We've got to decide. And it's a covenant and not a contract. I've never in all my years of business sat across the table from a corporate attorney that was negotiating a contract with me and have him say, Bill, we're going to sign this contract, but first let's go out to the field and get three bulls, two sheep, and a couple of doves, slice them in half, and make a bloody mess in the conference room and walk in a figure eight in a covenant relationship and do it in blood. No, that's covenant. Contract is just legal. We're in covenant. God doesn't break covenant. There's different kinds of covenant. There's covenant between God and us. On some level, everybody in this room gets that, right? If you get covenant with God, do me a favor. Just put your hand up. On some level, we get that, don't we? Because He's God and we're not. But there's also covenant between people. David and Jonathan made a covenant of friendship. Don't forget the blood and the figure eight. A friendship covenant so serious that it was signed in blood. Abner made a covenant with King David. And the covenant with King David was, David, you're the king. I'm going to be loyal to you. And if I break my covenant with you in loyalty, just off with my head. Which was a common thing in the Old Testament. They whacked people on a regular basis, didn't they? Yeah, we don't understand that in our culture. There are covenants between people. And then, of course, we've heard most recently about this covenant. This is a God-ordained covenant. This covenant that we call marriage. And this is the perfect example because it's transitioned over time that it used to be the example that we used because marriage covenant was so important until both inside the church and out. This is not a condemnation. This is just merely a fact. Inside the church and out, the, the divorce rate is 50%. So 50% because the marriage covenant in our culture has turned out, turned out to be a contract. It's very breakable. 
as soon as it's not convenient for me anymore, anymore I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to exercise paragraph 6 on page 12, section 3B. And that's the one that says, I can get out. See, that's not covenant. Covenant we don't get out of. Contracts we do. So God, therefore, and oh, by the way, why do we do that? Why do we want to get out of things that even God ordained? Let's just be honest. Because we're obstinate, stiff-necked sinners. Nobody's smiling. We are obstinate, stiff-necked sinners. Read your Bible. We always like to point to the Israelites. What's wrong with those people? Don't they get it? Well, put the mirror in front of your face because you are them. <laughs> I know I am. Stiff-necked. But you see, God is not only a covenant God, but He is a covenant promise keeper. He makes it and He keeps it. Amen? So, He wants us then to what? Be in covenant with Him. Because that's His promise. But, watch out now, He also wants us to be in covenant with each other. Uh-oh. Why is that an uh-oh? Because necessarily being in covenant with one another exposes us. You mean somebody besides my wife needs to know my bad habits? Yeah, that's the way it works. So what does this horizontal then covenant that God calls us to, what does it look like? How does that play out in the local body of believers? Well, turn to Matthew 22. You see, in Matthew 22, Jesus was being challenged by one of the Pharisees. One of the Pharisees said, aha, we're going to catch him. We're going to catch Jesus, which is what they were trying to do all along, right? They were trying to catch Jesus in some kind of a blaspheme uh, state so that, that what? So that they could whack him. They wanted to kill him. He was a threat. So the context of Matthew 22 is the Pharisee asking Jesus, of all the commands, what's the most important thing, Jesus? And here's how he responds, Matthew 22:37. Jesus responds, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus said, in diatheke, relationship with me, it's me first. Love the Lord your God with how much? All. He didn't say if it's convenient, when you feel like it, or on Sundays between 9 and 10, whenever we're done. He didn't say that. He says, love the Lord your God with everything you got. I always like to paraphrase it that way. Heart, soul, mind. That's, that's everything. That's who we are. Love Him completely like He loves you. But He wasn't finished there. He said that's the first and the greatest commandment. 
And then he said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, because all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. I like the word hang. It means suspended. It means that these two things, everything else in God's economy, everything else in our entire lives in walking with the Lord is suspended and hangs on getting these two things. I'm telling you, that Pharisee had to have just, I don't know what he did. My guess is that he shook his head and went, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Because the Pharisees, man, they were all about the law. And Jesus was all about love. Because, you see, he came to fulfill the law. So how does that relate to us? Because all of a sudden, the message today is we got to go vertical, guys. Okay? Next week, we're going vertical. There's pastors that are changing places. And that is a message to the world in the community that we live in. Are you kidding? They're changing pastors. Yeah, they are. So who's your neighbor? Jesus said the second one of the, most, the two most important things to base your life on, the second most important thing is to love your neighbor. As yourself. So the question then, logically, is who's your neighbor? Well, in one sense, biblically, your neighbor is what? Who? Who? Uh, okay, Patty's your neighbor. That's good. Diana, you said what? Other believers. Is that it? Oh, the entire world. Okay, so who's your neighbor? In one sense, biblically, everybody's our neighbor. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. That means everybody. However, however, we have to take a look at Scripture to find out what Jesus is really talking about here. And so, I don't want you to turn there because I don't want you to be distracted. Not that the Scriptures are distracting, but I want you to just listen. We're going to take a look at Ephesians 25, 425, and then we're going to look at Galatians 6.10. So Ephesians 4.25, now listen, Ephesians 4.25, who's your neighbor, says this, Therefore, huh, what does therefore mean? Well, therefore, therefore we got to go back a little bit, because you can't go to the therefore if you don't know what the therefore is for there, there, something like that. Anyway, Ephesians 4.25 says, therefore, because verse 24 says, because you're a new creation, and created to be like God in His image, in true righteousness and holiness. So, that's the therefore. Therefore, each of you must put a falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Who's he talking to and about? The church. That's so cool about next week. We are all the body. We are all one body. Just because we're sitting here and there's others sitting across town, we are one body in Christ. And then Galatians 10 says, therefore. So therefore, we got to go back, therefore, to verse 9 that says, let us not become weary. Let's not become weary, guys, because we're obstinate, stiff-necked sinners. Okay, don't become weary of that, <sighs> even though sometimes I am. He says, therefore, don't become weary. Because as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. All people. But then listen. He finishes that by saying, 
especially. Uh Uh-oh, that might be set apart a little bit. Especially those who belong to the family of believers. See, in Ephesians and Galatians, Jesus is talking about love your neighbor and he puts a priority. He puts a priority on the family of believers. It doesn't mean that we don't love everybody. Of course, we're supposed to love everybody. And if we're not, we're disobedient. But the priority is the family of believers. The word there that's really critically important is belong because it means belong. We belong to the family of believers. See, horizontal covenant with one another is right here in the family of believers. So before you start blowing everybody else off and idolizing what happens in the church, don't do that. Don't blow anybody else off because if you do, you're forgetting that Galatians 6.10 says, do good to all. And then you're also blowing off what Scripture says in Matthew 5.44 that says, love your enemies. You see, because we have to look at the whole of Scripture when we're interpreting Scripture. It's about relationship, relationship, relationship. Amen? We've got to be in relationship. Now, if you've ever taken a look at the OBCF um, covenant paperwork, now some of you have and some of you have even decided to be in covenant with this local body of believers, and that's wonderful. But the important thing is if you've taken a look at that or maybe even you've taken a look at the, at the header on the website or if you've paid any attention at all, and you've got in the fellowship hall, there's this big blackboard thing that I think Shiloh put it together. It's really cool because it's kind of graphic. And she did it. And I can't even do a stick man. So, I mean, I'm impressed with that. And what does it say? It says loving God. That's what this place is about, by the way, biblically. Loving God, loving the church, loving our community and the world. What's the order? Loving God. Loving the church. <laughs> loving the church. Loving our community next Saturday and loving the world. See, the love has to abound. The biblical priority, therefore, is without love we are nothing. 1 Corinthians 13.2 It doesn't say that without love we have nothing. It says without love we are nothing. Did you realize that if we don't love, we are nothing? And Jesus, in the earlier passage, said that if you reject me, And if you're ashamed of me, you talk about bereaved seriousness, I will be ashamed of you before my Father. That's heavy stuff. 1 John 3.18 pretty much sums it up this way. Let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and truth. See, it necessarily requires us to do something, not just say something. I don't know how many times you've had somebody say that they love you. But then when you watch what they do, you think, really? Hmm. Really. So the basis of covenant between us and God and us and each other is what? Love. It's love. Him first. The church second. That's what it says. So who's the church? Oh, it's okay. You can speak up. Richie's not here. Who's the church? 
Believers. I heard believers and we. I, I got to pull a Richie out of the bag. Okay? Take your finger. Point at the church. Okay? I am the church. Here's another Richieism. Go ahead and say it. I am the church. Yeah. Has nothing to do with the building. We don't need this building. We could be sitting outside someplace. The church has nothing to do with the building. Although I believe this is a holy place because of what we do here. But we are the church. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, it says the church is, it defines it for us. I love the Bible. It's everything we need. The, the Bible says that in Ephesians chapter 4, the church is a body of unified believers. What kind? Unified believers. Now, unified, and that's covenant, because, check this out. Here's what unified means. Now, think about this in the context of your participation in this local body of believers. Unified means that we love God. We love each other. We break bread together. Oh, Lord, do we break bread together. Potluck City and, and what's that thing we're making? Cookbook, yeah, yeah. 140 pages of cookbook. I mean, we like to break bread, don't we? We fellowship together. Twelve minutes today. Let's tell Richie that. Twelve minutes of meet and greet today. Okay? We pray together. We mourn together. We celebrate together. We grow in Christ together. We make disciples together. We encourage one another towards obedience to all of the Lord's commands precepts and principles together. See, we should be loving, growing, and going in faith and hope and love. And what does the Bible say? The greatest of these, of course, is love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And so I can prove that to you. The love part. Here it is. Practical boots on the ground. The men are having a potluck. We break bread together. And it was pretty cool. Actually, food came. And we had a little variety of food. And we had guys that come on a Saturday morning because they wanted to be there. And we were in Robert's Carport, which if you look at it, is almost like Wes and Olivia's cabin. It's like a chapel in the pines. This one was like a chapel in the oaks. It's a carport. But it's no regular carport. I mean, the beams. You see the beams in that place? The beams in this car. I'm serious. The beams are like this wide and this this high. I've never seen such massive beams holding up a carport in my life. So there we are. The men are getting together, and we're having a potluck. And Chaz, we, you know, Chaz was here, and, and he's the guy that's on our accountability board, and he's a great guy, Pastor Chaz. And so he's going to give a little devotional, and so we're doing the devotional. And then something is, it occurs to me during this little, this little get-together of the men, uh, a crazy thing is happening there. Because, you see, men don't do this. They begin to share. I'm talking men. Yeah, men. <laughs> yeah, it's a wild thing. See, this is only God could do this. I'm sitting there like this, listening to men share their lives with one another. And then one man says, you know, this is what's really interesting. I haven't been able to get this out of my mind since we had the potluck a few weeks ago in Robert's carport. <laughs> and he says, 
Kenno, I've been going to church for 60-odd years. And I came to this one a while back. And I walked in the door, and I saw people here that I recognized. And that was good. I hadn't been here but for a short period of time. A short period of time. And he said, I was just comfortable. The love in this place was so profound. This spirit-filled place with people loving each other was so profound. This man in front of other men said that for the first time in a long time, I was like, I have to paraphrase, I, I was like home. There was love. That is covenant horizontal. Because from the 2 minutes and 34 seconds or 12 minutes and 34, whichever we're going to lie to Richie about. You see, that's covenant. That's loving one another. See, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? It's a no-brainer. Why do we even have to talk about this? This is a pretty loving place. This place we call OVC up. It's a loving place. I don't know. That's a miracle of God, if you ask me. And like Richie says regularly, frankly, it's a miracle of God that anybody even comes. <laughs> See, and love is the basis for covenant, right? Yeah. So we're in covenant in the local body of believers out of love, right? 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 That's what I thought. And what is the basis for covenant? That's what I thought. So there it is again. It's horizontal. Love each other. That's what Jesus said. It's only two commandments. You know what? We get that right. Everything else just falls into place. You don't have to worry about any of it. Get that right. Don't worry about anything else. It just comes. That's the amazing thing of the power of the Spirit. But sometimes we need examples. So, I have another example. Now, I don't want you to wig out on me or anything, but I asked permission from my little sister, and she graciously gave it because she's in a season of her life that is in transition. And you see, my relationship with her goes back a ways. And the relationship began because we were both asked to be on a worship team together. Second stringers, backups, and we bonded almost immediately because neither one of us really had any musical skills or talents, right? <laughs> but we liked music. We bonded right away. I was the backup drummer. She was the backup flautist. Is that what you call them? A flout. She's a flute player. So we're the backup second stringers. We bond right away. And then something happened. We lost track. And you know what the basis of the losing track was? For circumstances developed and we found ourselves not going to the same church. We weren't in the same body of believers. And what happened to our relationship, this bond that we had because we were second stringers playing music every once in a while, kind of, sort of. We weren't in fellowship with one another. And we sort of lost, we lost track, didn't we? And then, Cindy and her husband, John, decided to show up here. Remember that loving place? 
that I was talking about earlier, where there's comfort and security. She ends up here with her husband, John, who is at the end of a 10-year journey where Cindy, God bless you, little sister, has, has been taking care of him. And John, last December, for those of you that don't know, went home to be with the Lord. And he's one of those guys that is, uh, he's on my list. <laughs> because when I get to heaven, because, you know, he was just one of those guys, crotchety, honest, in your face. As that was my brother John. And I miss him, and I know Cindy does too. But they came here, and then there were needs. And this place came together. And just saw the needs. And there were friends here. Brothers and sisters in Christ. That knew Cindy and John. And a relationship began to develop. Ours especially. Rekindled. The church family came together. And as Cindy had need. And as she has needs. The church has been there. More importantly, Cindy, without even understanding covenant, allowed it. Because she's in the season in her life. Some of you ladies know what it's like to be a widow. Some of us don't. She had needs. And in covenant, she didn't even have to ask. Some people just knew. And they began to meet those needs. And ultimately, that need most recently revolves around a light bulb. Cindy lives by herself. Well, with Molly, the dog. I love Molly. Cindy had a light bulb go out. By the way, it's the only light bulb in her bathroom. Now, men, bear with me here, because I know you'd have no clue what women do in bathrooms. But she couldn't do it because there was no light. For six days, this woman did not have a light in her bathroom and couldn't do what normal women do in bathrooms when they don't have a light. Okay, she couldn't do that. It sounds crazy, doesn't it, for six days. But this is a woman, bless you, sister, for letting me share this. This is a woman that actually was frustrated and was crying. And the only thing that she forgot to do was use her finger. Oh, by the way, she didn't change the light bulb because she's got two bum knees. She's waiting for a knee replacement for one. The fact that she's even here is a miracle. That she can get out of bed in the morning and make it here is a miracle of God. She couldn't get up on a stool and change that light bulb. It's impossible for her. And if she'd have tried, I'd have whacked her upside the head. But she couldn't change the light bulb but what didn't she do she didn't understand covenant yet so for 6 days she cried 3 or 4 days in a row because she she couldn't ask for help so pastor richie finds out somehow i don't know how he finds out and he and vinny go to her house and vinny took two and a half minutes to change the light bulb for 6 days she agonized because she thought that she was going to be a burden she didn't understand covenant horizontally. And then he changed the light bulb in two and a half minutes with a smile, I might add. With a smile. Oh, but it gets worse. Because three days before, 
we met in his carport and men were miraculously sharing their lives together, Richie tells me that she has these two heaters. Well, I know I've been there. She has these two gas heaters and, and, the, and, the, and the pilots are on. And I don't know about you, but a few weeks ago, it was hot. And she thought, i got to get these pilots turned off because it's hot in here because she has this little portable air conditioner because she lives in a house that was built in 19 what? 17. It's an awesome house. Okay. No insulation. It's hotter than blazes in there. It's hot. She doesn't understand covenant quite yet, even after Vinny replaced the light bulb. And Richie says, oh, Bill knows something about that. I'll call him. So he does. And I said, oh, a piece of cake. I'll take care of that. That was on a Thursday. But I didn't have time until Saturday because I was kind of booked. Well, the problem is I forgot to tell her I was going to come over on Saturday and do it. So in the meantime, it's really hot on Friday. So what does Cindy do? i got to have something done. Do you think she called anybody here? No. She calls the gas company and lies to them and says, I have a gas leak. It's the only way they're going to come out and do anything for her. She knew that if she called and said, I need help with the pilot light, they'd say, why don't you call somebody from church? (laughs) See, the point is, it's funny and yet serious at the same time, isn't it? Isn't it? Because what happened is the gas man came in 15 minutes because he thought it was a life or death situation. Because if you're breathing, escaping gas in a house, you could die. He was there in 15 minutes. Now she's standing on the front porch bawling and confessing. She's confessing to the gas man and trying to get in his good graces by telling her, telling him that my husband works for the gas company. Please forgive me. And then she called me and told me what she did. We laughed and semi-cried over that, didn't we? Why did we cry? Because, you see, the thing that Cindy missed, the thing that she missed was covenant this way, which means that we do this because we love each other. The blessing would have been for the call to come and say, I am cooking in this place. I need this gas turned off. Can somebody please help? And see, the thing is that what she didn't realize is that God has gifted people that want to help. She actually took a blessing away from somebody in this place that would love to have gone over there and helped her. But she got it backwards because she didn't understand covenant this way. You do now, though. You do now. You see, and that's what the leadership in this church is about. It's about getting us all to understand that first and foremost, we're in covenant this way. Nothing can replace that. And if this church or anything else ever becomes an idol because you lift it up, and put an OBCF bumper sticker on your car. I don't have a problem with church bumper stickers. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that when the church itself, the local body, is lifted up over Jesus, we got a problem. So don't do that. But it's about permission. See, covenant is about permission on the horizontal level. It's about being in a local body of believers where you have permission to say, I need some help. 
And I, if it's spiritual or practical, it's the same. That is horizontal covenant. And that's what we are to be about. Now, there's no pun intended here, but that woman right there, that sister in the Lord, had a light bulb moment. (laughs) The light bulb came on when she realized that what covenant with each other, what Jesus meant when He said, love your neighbor, was, it's okay. It's okay. And that's scary. Which is why for six days, she went without a light in her bathroom. Because it's scary. But it's now less scary. And the testimony of her being just able to allow this story to go forth. Her sin. She lied. She was repentant. But she lied. Which is just the opposite of what God wanted. What God wanted was a blessing. There isn't a man here that wouldn't have jumped on the opportunity. And some women too. To climb up on a step stool and replace the light bulb the day it went out. But for six days she agonized and then cried. So here's the question. Should you be in covenant with this church? This one. Yes or no? Should you be? Wow. (laughs) I didn't expect that. Would you be surprised if I told you that yes might not be the right answer? Huh. Here's why. See, because if you should be in covenant with this local body of believers, it needs to be based on what your motivation is. Because you think right now, if you think right now, that by being in covenant with this local body of believers, you get the gold card and you get mileage and points. No. You don't get any privilege. We've already been given all the privilege. God gave it to us. He's in covenant with us. So if you think it's for privilege, don't. Don't do it. But if it's because you're willing to love. If you are willing to serve and give of yourself self-sacrificially, then do it. The answer is yes. If you consider this your church home, then do it. And if it isn't, that's okay. Some of you don't even live here. Because I, I, see, I see faces. Some of you don't live here. And if you don't, if this isn't your church home, cool. Get one. Find a healthy, well-balanced, Christ-centered, Bible-believing church and covenant with them. If you're in agreement. If you are in agreement with the OVCF statement of faith, that's important. Because all it really is, is the essential doctrines of the historic Orthodox Christian Church. If you agree with that, do it. Be in covenant. If you don't agree with that, let's talk afterwards. If you believe that the Bible is inspired, it is God's Word. It is authoritative. It is totally sufficient for all of life. Covenant. If you believe 
that being in covenant with this local body of believers is a matter of you being coerced into it, don't. Don't do it under coercion. But, if you are in covenant with God, through faith in Christ, and you also want and are willing to be in covenant with this local body of believers, then yes, 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 do it. Because you see, God established the church. It was on His terms. And He gifted people with faith. Your faith is a gift from God. And He has given some to be pastors, some to be teachers, some to be evangelists, some to be missionaries, some to be servers, some to be helpers, some to be all kinds of things. And everybody in this building has been gifted in some way by God to play a role in the church because it is a body of believers. And no role in this church is more important than any other role. And Vinny replacing the light bulb the other day is just as important as his dad being the pastor up here every week. Amen? Every role is important because you are so important to God in every way. He wants our heart. He wants covenant with the local body. Think about it this way. Covenant is in some ways... Like baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. And covenant doesn't change anything other than making the commitment. A commitment to a local body of believers. So I encourage you, search the Scriptures like the Bereans. Seek the Lord. Prayerfully consider even with the resounding yeses to my previous question, should you be in covenant with this local body of believers? Prayerfully consider your response to the biblical covenant and the covenant with this local body of believers. Because one thing here is that here, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Love abounds. Amen? The flock here is protected and corrected. Amen? The whole of God's Word is honored, lifted up, and taught. And covenant here is diatheke. We will never forget that it is greater to the lesser. We are the lesser. It's His terms, not ours. That covenant is bereaved. It's cut. It's serious. It is hesed. I love this part. Loving, steadfast, loyal, trustworthy, and secure. All attributes of God and all part of His covenant with us. Amen.